Welcome to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, where it's all about slashing your debt, slashing your taxes, and creating a liberated lifestyle. And now, your host, who met his wife while training for the 400 meters in Seattle and is eating gluten-free while lusting after bread, Dave Denniston. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping doctors like you slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, I am glad to be back with you with another episode, episode number 18 of season eight. Last week, we talked about required minimum distributions. And I left out purposely something really important, which is learning about inherited IRAs and inherited Roth IRAs. And the reason I wanted to dedicate an an episode to this, a whole episode to this in particular, rather than combining it, is twofold. Number one, it was top of mind for me because I had a client whose dad passed away recently and she's going through all these changes and helping with the estate and as part of that the blessing is she is receiving money from her dad and so she's receiving several different accounts she's receiving a non-qualified account meaning money just in her name she's receiving an inherited IRA which was dad's IRA that now she as the declared beneficiary gets part of. And then she's also receiving part of his Roth IRA, which is becoming an inherited Roth IRA. And so what's interesting about each of these accounts, the non-qualified, she received a step up in the cost basis at his death. And so there's no tax consequences really for whatever we do in that account. The inherited IRA is really interesting where now we have some choices. In this case, her dad was above 73 years old. And so he was taking out required minimum distributions. So he was over the age of when he was forced to start to take out money. And so in the inherited IRA, now she has choices. Number one uh, is some of these rules changed a few years ago with some of the SECURE Acts that I was referencing prior. So prior to a few years ago, you could do what's called a stretch IRA, where you could stretch out distributions over your lifetime. Well, that changed with legislation a few years back, where all those people that had inherited IRAs pre-2020, I think it was, or 2019, that um, those people are grandfathered in. There's no changes for, for them. They are forced to take out some amount of money every year, but it's relatively small. What changed with the legislation is that number one, uh, as before, if you wanted to, you could take out the whole enchilada of your inherited IRA today. And so if you do that, now you're gonna get taxed on that whole enchilada when you do. 
which for many of us that are are high income professionals, you know, we don't want to get hit with that tax, right? So what do you do? Well, essentially, you can spread out that amount now over 10 years. So while you can't spread it out over your lifetime, like I have some clients that have had inherited IRAs now for 13 years, and they still have them, and they're taking out a little bit of money out every single year. Well, um, you have to keep a few things in mind with inherited IRAs. Number one, how old was your deceased relative? If they were like 90 years old, you might have to take out more than 10% uh, from those. If they were less than 80, then more than likely you could essentially take out 10% a year over 10 years. You could choose to take out less if you wanted to, but essentially you have to follow the required minimum distribution table as if you were them up until year 10, where now you have to take out the rest of it. So it's really honestly complicated things quite a bit. There was even some question about whether or not you could wait until year 10 to take it out, but there was some, some uh, court discussions and arguments and ended up being, okay, you have to follow the required minimum distribution of the past one until year 10. So for example, let's say your parent was 73. They took out the RMD for that particular year. Now you as the beneficiary, you can wait until 2024 to start taking out the RMD. The bare minimum you would need to take out would be on the uniform life table. At age 74, divide your balance by 25 and a half. So about 4% would be about what you need to take out. And I always suggest round up to the nearest 100 bucks. So let's say the minimum was 8,320 bucks. Well, you'd wanna take out 8,400. This way you're taking out more than, a, than the minimum, but not significantly more in case some of the calculations were messed up or something like that. So the next year, you could take the 1231 balance of the prior year and then take what that parent would have been at age 76, divide that by 23.7 of the RMD, and that's what you take out that year. Alternatively, what you could do from the very beginning is just take out 10% every year until the thing is completely gone. Um, by the end of year 10, so if they passed in 2023, you have until 2033 to take out the whole balance, or I should say the end of 2032, right? Because that's the 10th year. So really, uh, you have to keep an eye on these dates. And you have to come up with a good system and calendar reminders or have a financial advisor, a good financial advisor, help you out with that. Now, what's interesting is in my whole career up to this point, 21 years in this business, I have never seen a client have a significant inherited Roth IRA. And with this, this gal that I'm talking about that's a client, she's actually the first person I've seen have an inherited Roth. 
And what's nice about the inherited Roth, which uh, is much more straightforward to me. Remember, Roth IRAs we talked about last week, there is no required minimum distribution. However, with the legislative changes, you do have to take it out currently before the end of 10 years. So you could take it all out in year one, you could take it all out in year two, you could take it all out in year three, you could take it out in year four, you could take it all out immediately once you receive it. However, I believe if you don't need this money, if you are a working professional, there is no reason to take it out until nine years, 11 months, and 30 days. <laughs> Wait until the last possible moment, or at least close to the last possible moment, you know, maybe a, a couple of months earlier to go ahead and take it out. That way, that money is staying in Roth. It's staying in Roth as long as flipping possible for you to do. And so if you take out that money now, right, you're putting it into non-qualified monies where you're having to pay interest, dividends, and capital gains taxes on that money. You don't want to pay that stuff if you don't have to. Why not hold it in that account until you have to take it out, which again is that same 10-year rule. It has to be all gone from an inherited Roth IRA by the end of 10 years. And now for a commercial break. Every year, about this time of the year, I have physicians asking me, Dave, I hate the taxes I'm paying. How can I lower my taxes? How can I understand what the heck is going on here? Well, that's why we have put together a tax cheat sheet that really has almost everything that you'd ever wanna know about taxes. Two-page document, super simple. I put together a few videos to walk you through it. All you have to do to receive this awesome document is tax the word cheat sheet, all one word, C-H-E-A-T-S-H-E-E-T, to 833-343-2986. If you want to get your copy of the 2023 tax cheat sheet, make sure to text the word, all one word, cheat sheet, C-H-E-A-T-S-H-E-E-T, to 833-343-2986. Nothing better you can do for yourself than to get educated on taxes. And so, my friends, make sure to download that cheat sheet again. You can text all one word cheat sheet to 833-243-2986. And now, back to the show. And I assume we're just going to see more and more and more of this as some of the baby boomer generation passes away. I know my folks have Roth IRA monies that more than likely they're not going to use and will pass on to me as their only child. And so uh, I'm going to delay that puppy as long as I possibly can. Now keep in mind with all of these things, there's going to be some paperwork involved when you inherit them. So what happens is you have a IRA that's in, in parent or whoever the, the deceased person is, 
And now they have named beneficiaries, hopefully, which is really, really important. You want to make sure your parents, or if this is you as well, that you have named beneficiaries. Or that maybe, like, let's say you had dad and mom, mom passed away, dad is still with us. Make sure dad changes his beneficiaries to be not the wife anymore on it. This way, the named beneficiaries are up to date. And if you don't do that, then things go to probate and you can't do an inherited IRA. Instead, you're going to be forced to take out the distribution and it goes to the estate and everything gets taxed at that point, which eliminates everything we were just talking about the last uh, 10 minutes or so. So make sure you have named Bennies so you can do this smaller stretch still and take advantage of the tax laws. So you have named beneficiaries. Let's say in this case, there's dad and then two daughters were the beneficiaries. So what happens at dad's death, you submit the death certificate and some, some paperwork, which then will split that one account into two. Dad's name will still be on it as deceased it'll still be in his social security number with the beneficiary listed and their social security number listed. So now you have to go through all this paperwork to have two separate accounts out of one. If you have three beneficiaries or four beneficiaries, obviously it's getting split more and more ways. And honestly, if you have like an account under 20 grand, as long as it doesn't bump you to another tax bracket, just go ahead and take that puppy out. I expect many of us in many situations where maybe an only child or your, your parent has a million dollars or two million dollars in pre-tax monies when they pass, then uh, having that stretch out as long as possible becomes more and more important. So just expect there's going to be paperwork, there's going to be shuffling happen, and you just want to make sure it's done correctly. You want to make sure that first that there's named beneficiaries on the IRA account or the 401k account. You want to make sure that that gets split the way it's supposed to get split. And you want to make sure that it shows the deceased there as well as your name. You do not, you do not want it to roll over into an IRA solely in your name and consolidate it with your current IRA. So let's say you have a current IRA, a current 401k that you put money into. Do not, do not mix and match because now you're screwing up the whole system and you could have penalties and taxes and stuff like that. You have to have a specific account that is an inherited IRA. Now, this is important uh, for a few reasons. Number one, you don't want to get penalties. You don't want to mix and mingle your personal money you've earned versus parent money or whoever you've inherited money from. Um, the exception being if it's your spouse. If it's your spouse, that's totally fine. But if we're dealing with a, a prior generation or someone that is not a spouse, then it's important that you keep it separate per IRS rules. Another thing that uh, many people aren't aware of is that 
when you have an inherited IRA and a 401k, you can still do a backdoor Roth. So having an inherited IRA or an inherited Roth doesn't stop you from doing the backdoor. So uh, be keeping all of that in mind. There are some nuances here that are so very important. Make sure you, you're listening to this podcast again as I touched on a lot of different things. Certainly there's lots of great blog posts and other information out there, but I hope this gives you a really good base to start off with. If I were to repeat from, from uh, and summarize from the beginning, I would say a few things starting with some of the things I was saying later. Number one, make sure you have named beneficiaries on your accounts and any parent account uh, as, as uh, we wanna make sure things get done properly, particularly if they have a deceased spouse, we wanna make sure that those things have been changed. Number two, make sure you understand that you have to get the paperwork done properly when you do it, don't mix and mingle. Number three, understand you have a limited time frame that you have to start taking out monies. The inherited IRAs, you have to, if they were already 73 or older, you have to take out money now. If they were younger, you could, you could wait a little bit before doing it, but in all cases, you have to take it out within 10 years of when you received it. Roth IRAs, in comparison, inherited Roth IRAs, you wait until the last possible minute to keep it all tax-free as long as possible. And then lastly, as you have things set up for yourself as a inherited IRA, inherited Roth, uh, make sure that you can no longer stretch it, but make sure you still have named beneficiaries so you can avoid probate and things like that. And finally, keep in mind having an inherited IRA as opposed to a traditional IRA does not preclude you from doing backdoor Roth because technically that's in the social security number of the deceased person, not your own. And finally, if you have a spouse that has passed away, that doesn't need to be inherited at all. That can be automatically put into an IRA right in your name, unless you have like a 20 year age gap or something like that, that would be pretty unusual. So a lot of nuances, I hope this is helpful to you as we're all going along here in life and, and hopefully, uh, you are receiving some inheritance. Hopefully you are going to be leaving an inheritance to your children and maybe even their children. And these are all first world problems of wonderful ways to help to make the money last as long as possible and to minimize your tax liability. Have questions? I would certainly welcome them. Please feel free to email me, dave at daviddeniston.com. For the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, remember my friends, remember to slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, thank you my friends so much for listening to the last podcast. I am pleased to announce that 
I am now a completely independent financial advisor, where to the point now I can really integrate my financial planning practice with this podcast. If you might be looking for help, if you have found any of our information here interesting or relevant and you're looking for a second opinion, I'm making myself available for 30-minute strategy sessions. And if you want to arrange a time to meet with me to discuss your situation and see if we might be a good fit for one another, I'd like you to call our office and speak with Kyla. Our phone number is 612-284-2409. Again, that's 612-284-2409. And I look forward to helping you with your financial situation. And now for some lovely legal disclosures required by our lawyer friends. Investment advice is only offered in jurisdictions where Centurion Financial Strategies, LLC, Centurion is appropriately registered or exempt from registration. Our Form ADV Part 2 brochure can be obtained free of charge at advisorinfo.sec.gov by searching for our firm name or its unique CRD number, which is 316-454. This podcast is not a solicitation to provide advisory services in any jurisdiction in which we are not appropriately registered or the information, statements, and opinions contained in this podcast have been obtained from or are based on information obtained from sources which we believe to be reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of such information. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as personalized investment, tax, or legal advice. Opinions expressed by any guest are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the firm's views. You should carefully consider your own financial circumstances and needs prior to making any investment in securities or purchasing any insurance products. As always, past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing in securities or really anything else involves the risk of loss. If by some chance in this particular podcast I mentioned insurance products, insurance products are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of an issuing insurance company. They may be subject to restrictions, limitations, and early withdrawal fees, which vary by issue. You should always consider the charges, risks, expenses, and investment objective of any insurance products before entering a contract. And that, my friends, wraps it up. Wish you all the best. Feel free to contact us with any info at www.daviddeniston.com. Thank you so much and have a good one. Bye-bye.